Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon. Rest in peace. Welcome, everybody, to The Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis, here once again with the renegade master himself, <laughs> Adam Maxwell. Hey, Do you have that script written down? Uh, I have the intro written down, but no, that was all ad-lib, the uh, renegade master. <laughs> I knew that bit was. <laughs> I mean, the bit you said at the start, you well, say I think faultlessly I, every week. Yeah, I think I know it off my heart by now, but um, it's there as a prompt. But uh, I am excited, Adam, because we are into the millennium now. Will we Smith go. is uh, starring in films and <laughs> writing his own theme tunes. Two zero 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 will two K the new millennium. Yo, excuse me, millennium. Can't get thicker than this. Slick like Rick, I can't miss. Hold up, it is. We have the Millennium Dome being built. And in celebration of uh, what time Y2K. Alive. What yeah. a time. Um, so now we're really getting into my childhood. So I think that's where this joy de vivre is uh, really <laughs> coming from. So uh, with all that rambling being said, uh, Adam, we are doing the... It's going to be a stinker of a game. <laughs> it, it really, really is. So I'm trying to bring the energy as much as I can. Got it, right. Um, so obviously without wetting people's appetite, I bet they can't wait for the rest of the episode. Mm. Um, what do you know of the 2000 FA Cup final, Adam? Well, not a lot, mate. I think we're into the era for me where the FA Cup final had lost its gloss a little bit. Um, I know from a conversation with you yesterday <laughs> that it's Chelsea. Correct. Uh, and it's the last final, which I knew actually before I spoke to you, it's the last final at Wembley. Correct, yeah. So uh, obviously Wembley was, uh, for those that maybe don't know, uh, we obviously still have Wembley, but it is now new Wembley. Um, and the famous uh, old Wembley was being uh, rebuilt slash demolished and... Uh, Remodernized is basically the best way of putting it. I think they um, literally did rebuild it, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. Um, because it was incredibly unfit for purpose. Yeah. They started to realize how dangerous it yeah, was. Yeah, it was a bit of a hole, um, wasn't it? And even things like uh, Heisel, which I know was a lot about crowd disturbance, um, but obviously the structure had failed as well, which cost the lives of people. So even that was recent-ish memory yeah. where uh, England didn't want the same thing happening. So our national stadium would uh, see out its final... Um, so this was the last game? Last game was at it? Wembley. Right. Uh, because there's a good pub quiz thing, which uh, it will become clear later on, um, but the final scorer at Wembley. Um, and apparently there was a thing in national newspapers such as The Sun um, where they were bemoaning, spoiler alert everybody, that it was not a Brit that scored the final goal at Wembley. Oh, so yeah, that became a, a newspaper headline. Is that by a cert- really? Well, certain newspapers. Mm. Um, and I use that term very liberally. Um, but yeah, so it is uh, Chelsea. Uh, do you know anything else about this final? I know it's Di Matteo. Here he is, Di Matteo. Di Matteo, yep. who scores the winner. Correct. Um, just another one of those lazy Italians. <laughs> selfish for, by nature. Selfish by nature. Uh, just for those that may be tuning in for the first time, uh, please go and listen to our back catalogue where yeah. you'll uh, find out. Again, newspapers in England. That was the Daily Mirror's observation yeah. of an entire nation. <laughs> um, no, not a lot else. I think it's Villa that they play. 
Which is quite a surprise, really, because Villa were very mediocre at this time, weren't they? So that's they were. But John Gregory, who is in charge, of yeah, Villa, I remember him. Yeah, he got a little bit of a song out of Villa. Uh, nothing spectacular, but they had been in the top half for about three. Is that years. a pun? Because he isn't he oh, a singer? Uh, yeah. So we covered this again on one of our other yeah. podcasts. I can't even remember which one it was now. Um, but yeah, he is a cringeworthy David Brent wannabe. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually know a couple of people that know John Gregory well, and they say he's a really, really nice bloke. Um, and they went have a, a bad word said against him but there is that sense of like oh he's got the guitar in the in the boot like he'll <laughs> oh, grab good. it oh John's notice. got his guitar out again yeah he did the song for Stylian Petrov which again a lovely it. yeah, yeah it was yeah, a yeah, lovely yeah, kind yeah. of um, gesture for him sure yeah. but why insist on doing it at a public event that's going to be filmed and then you being mercilessly taken the mick out of but yeah. nevertheless I might slip that same audio that I cut for the last one Do into it, this mate. one go and get the guitar probably write a song about this one day and it's says everything I think it says everything about him. Uh, it's in the title. Okay, so. My point, I guess, is Gregory's Villa. Yes, that I, I remember them, but they didn't win anything, did they? Like that's what I mean. As they were mediocre, they were kind of mid-table-ish every season. Yeah, correct. So um, I don't know why, but in my head, I had Villa as a bit of a cup team. But I, I've literally made that up because this was Villa's first cup final since 1957. Yeah, they got so to another one, didn't they? They did. They got yeah, they got dicked by Arsenal. United. No, it's Arsenal, so I remember watching it at the um, pub in Woolacombe. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, 1957 was their last time. And they beat which historic British club or English club? Everton? No. This is a... Oh, United? Yes. Uh, Busby's Babes. Yeah, Busby really? Babes. So uh, they beat the Busby Babes. Um, was their last um, appearance in the final, but yeah, had been... Well, yeah, 50 years near yeah, enough wow. um, earlier. So Villa hadn't had much uh, to shout about. Nope. Um, but John Gregory had managed to get them a few kind of top half finishes, but that's really all there was. And um, even in the 2000s, we've spoken about this a little bit um, previously, but there was still very much this narrative about all these foreigners coming over to the game. Uh, and so John Gregory being a very kind of blood and guts British manager, um, George Burteng was the only... Um, non-British member of the starting lineup, right? for um, Aston Villa, uh, whereas Chelsea had an entire yeah, yeah. Um, team of uh, different cultures, different nationalities. Um, Dennis Wise was the only Brit starting for Chelsea, so we're getting dangerously close to the first team to not have yeah. a British player. Um, but nevertheless, Chelsea were favourites, but they hadn't been dominant by any means. Um, Gianluca Viali was their manager. He'd he taken is, over yeah. following um, Rude Hullet. Of course. And I'll just let that hang in the air. Rude Hullet. Um, You're strange. It's ASMR for people that have a, a very niche attraction <laughs> enjoy, to Dutch footballers. Enjoy that moment. So yeah, Chelsea had gone um, with Viali as player manager, one of the last of his kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were in a bit of a purple patch here. We remember discovering that 
That's a right. A couple of podcasts ago. Yeah, yeah, so your fact about, oh, Chelsea had only won, let's say, 26, 20 trophies in the last, like, 50 years or whatever it was and would go on to win the same amount in, you know, the following 10 years. Yeah. Viali kind of kickstarts that. So Viali, uh, for a time, was Chelsea's most um, successful manager, which I hadn't realised. Wow. Till Mourinho, uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he'd won uh, five trophies in total, um, including, obviously, this one. Uh, but as seems to be the um, case... Basically, uh, Chelsea became a bit of a, um, what's the word? A dictatorship where Viali had kind of, Hullet had lost the job because he'd lost the dressing room. A yeah. lot of people had turned on him. Uh, and Viali's early days were not like that, but towards the end of Viali's tenure, exactly the same thing happened. He started right. turning on big pros. Uh, he wanted things done his way. Um, but Chelsea had added and spent a fair bit of money, um, but relatively speaking, for the you know 2000s. Um, but they had signed Didier Deschamps, from oh, yeah. Juventus uh, that for his one and only season in English football. Uh, do you remember the nickname given to him by Eric Cantona? It wasn't the most flattering. He didn't like him, I know that. Yeah, so he called him the water carrier because all he did was get the ball past the ball, get the ball past the ball, um, <laughs> which nowadays is actually quite a, yeah, yeah. Like, quite a talent. Like a lot of people, like people like Jorginho, um, even to a lesser degree, someone like Jordan Henderson who can kind of yeah. recycle possession. Yeah. Uh, so Deschamps was ahead of his time, but Cantona clearly had no... No use to someone that wasn't all about the, yeah, you know, yeah. didn't have a certain je ne sais quoi. Um, <laughs> so Didier Deschamps was in the Chelsea team uh, and they had also signed Ballon d'Or winner in 1995 and future Prime Minister of Liberia, George Weyer, on loan. Um, so he'd signed from AC Milan. He only scored um, three league goals on his loan, but he only played 11 league games. So right. um, George Weyer, I think he was 32, 33 at the time. I was, was going to say, he was getting on a bit. Yeah, right? coming towards the end of his career. Um, but he had hit a purple patch within the cup. So um, Chelsea, at that point, their starting uh, strike force was Gianfranco Zola and Torre Andre Flo. Um Tor Andre Flo. Andre Flo. Um, oh, born on my birthday, I'll have you know. Not the same year, obviously. Born on your birthday, or were you born on his? Oh, uh, yeah, probably more that one. But I'm sure he tells his mates he was born on Lewis <laughs> Smith's birthday. Um, so they'd got George Ware, they got Didier Deschamps. They obviously had already had uh, Frank LeBeouf and kind of these... Chelsea were building quite a squad. Yeah. Um, and that had kind of culminated where they managed to finish, um, I think it was third or second, sorry, actually, in the Premier League, about three points behind Man United. And so Chelsea were really pushing on to something, which again, it's what we spoke about a couple of um, podcasts ago, but that Chelsea were on the up before Abramovich came in. Um, And they had been showing kind of, yeah, a little bit of success. I guess in some way it makes sense, present day controversies ignored. Like Abramovich obviously did his homework or someone did his homework. He wasn't going to just buy anybody. No, you're right, yeah. There was an element where there was kind of a framework for success to come his way. Yeah, exactly. And kind of Chelsea uh, had spent, you know, a fair amount of money for, for this era, um, but it, it was clear it was coming to the end of the pot. So whilst they had had a bit of success, yeah. you're right, it, it kind of was like... It's Ken if, Bates, he bought yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, 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 that's right. Chelsea had their own cup hero in George Weah. But Villa also had their own hero in Benito Carbone, who had signed <laughs> oh, from yes. Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday's finest. Um, yeah. And he'd been signed this season. Uh, he'd... Done okay in terms of like goals and assists and whatnot. Um, but his most memorable moment came when he scored a hat trick against Leeds earlier in this FA Cup run. So he'd uh, they got through three two against Leeds, all because of Benito Carboni's hat trick. Here's Carboni, ambitious but worth it, and a quite stunning goal from Benito Carboni brings Villa level for the second time in this contest. 
Uh, and then he scored against Darlington and your beloved Everton, uh, meaning that he'd scored five goals in Villa's cup run. Um, so it kind of propelled them there. So uh, Villa, whilst being unfavoured, yeah. they had uh, a bit of quality. They'd clearly um, had a decent enough team. Well, to overcome Everton, it's not. Yeah, and Darlington, definitely. It's yeah, kind of, those two teams. Yeah, yeah. Much of a muchness there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I said, contrasting to John Gregory, John Luca Viali had seen a lot of success, had seen a lot of good football playing as well. Chelsea had kind of started to become a bit more attacking. Um, and interestingly, looking at their cup runs, there is a, a sense of fortune that these two met in the final because the Giants all met each other in earlier rounds and knocked each other out. Um, I was so going to ask that because obviously you've you got an incredibly... Like, the, the Arsenal-Man United rivalry was as high as, as big as it got, probably, around yeah, this sure. time. And yet, then... Nowhere to be seen. Right. Liverpool, Tottenham, um, other play, uh, other teams like that. So, they'd all met each other and knocked each other um, out. The only challenging team, really, for both uh, teams uh, was that Chelsea had to play Newcastle in the semi-final, who they beat 2-1. Um, who were all right. At exactly. That. I guess they were two-time finalists, weren't they, mm-hmm. at, at this point? But that really was the only kind of... Um, yeah. Yeah, difficulty they came up against. Although saying that, Villa did only scrape through the semi-finals against Bolton, uh, winning on penalties. Sam so Allardyce's Bolton. Oh, that is a good question. It very different kettle of fish, mate. I think Sam it must Allardyce. have been. Yeah, yeah. We J- had a JJ Acocha, exactly. So <laughs> the player's so good they named him twice. <laughs> what a man! Um, so both teams have kind of managed to have favourable runs to get to the final, but nevertheless they've been here. So the following season, uh, Chelsea would win the UEFA Super Cup, beating Real Madrid one 0 um, oh, sorry. And then it was in 1999 that they finished third to um, United, just four points behind them, not three right, points. Right. So both teams had reason to be confident, though Chelsea were the favourites. Tactically, they were slightly different in terms of John Gregory uh, was happy to play the role of the underdog. So um, basically, Aston Villa set themselves up in a 5-4-1 formation um, where they almost ahead of time, but nowadays we see the five at the back and it's very much two attacking wing backs with three central defenders. Yeah. This was very much a flat back five um, with a very young Gareth Barry um, in at centre-back really? alongside Hugo Egiog and Gareth Southgate. Um, Go on, Gareth. Which, yeah, Gareth Southgate and Hugo Egiog, uh, researching this, had, had won a lot of plaudits this year in particular for their defensive partnership. Really, really um, highly spoken of. Interestingly enough, this final basically comes down, not necessarily the headlines, but the story of the whole game comes down to the two centre-back pe- partnerships. So you had uh, Egiog and Southgate for Villa, but then you had uh, Frank Leboeuf and Marcel Desailly for Chelsea. Of course, yeah. Um, so... Actually, is it almost seems comical because Lebuff and Desai are like incredibly famous World Cup winning yeah, yeah. you know players. Um, but yeah, Egiog and Southgate have been really spoken highly about in the run up to this, saying that if Chelsea were to get anything, they would have to try and disrupt them. Um, so they had gone with five at the back under John Gregory, uh, whereas Chelsea had kind of gone with this diamond formation with uh, Didier Deschamps, the water carrier, sitting at the base of the diamond, uh, and then they had Gus Poyet behind Gianfranco Poyet. Zola and. Um, Normally, to our injury flow, but George Ware was stepping in because of his heroics in the cup. He got the starting place of course. Um, for the cup final. So uh, let's head into the game. So we're going to basically copy and paste this same phrase because yet again, the klaxon goes off. It's a terrible first half, not the whole cup final. When was the last time we had a good final? Uh, what would it have been? I don't remember the last time where one of us went, this, oh, this game a was final. a cracker. Yeah, because even though you had great teams like Liverpool United, final promised a lot and delivered absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's a so, while back. 
basically, the one of the write-ups I was reading about this uh, cup final said, the last game at Wembley was surely heading to be the worst final of all time before John Gregory stepped up in the second half. Um, so I'll speak about that. Uh, later on, but came f- on, did he? <laughs> it, I tell you what, he prob- yeah, he probably would have. Uh, yeah, it's dreadful. So the only highlights of the first half are a couple of very, very speculative efforts by uh, Dennis Wise of Chelsea, who hits a speculative drive at James. It goes straight into his chest. That's it. And then um, Paul Merson hits a half volley that's dipping, uh, but it's still probably about a yard over the bar. And that is it. That is all that happens in that entire game. The only point of interest that I thought, um, knowing what we know now, is quite interesting. So uh, both teams have had those respective efforts, but when James, David James in goal for Aston Villa, yep. collects the ball from Wise's tame shot, uh, Clive Tilsley and Ron Atkinson, who are the, who are the commentary pairing you for ITV. Big Ron. Big Ron. A little smile came on your face then. He's just a comical character, and, he, and also just generally a knob, but nevertheless. Um, he set then, up the Ferguson era, though. Yeah, but yeah, I'm sure he would say that, and he would take that credit. But uh, I think we'll let football history judge by the fact of what he went on to do afterwards. So yeah, basically, as James catches this very tame shot, both Tilsley and Atkinson comment on, "Oh, it's good for him to get handle the ball early on because Calamity James was in, of course, was in full swing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had actually gone to Villa to try and rebuild his reputation away from a top club like Liverpool. Um, He'd come from Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And it, it ended ended badly for David James. He Liverpool. was England goalkeeper at this point, wasn't he? So Euro two thousand, he yeah. got call, he got recalled, didn't he, to Venables? Yeah, so that squad. would have been later. This that's right. So he'd, he'd had a good season and yeah. people had actually started speaking about him, but there was still clearly, it was very much in people's minds that, oh, James is a bit wobbly. I was never comfortable when James was in goalfriend. T- he did get a lot better with age. Like, 30, it's a bit like 36, 37-year-old David James was the best version of David James. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. nevertheless, yeah, for probably 10 years, yeah. like you say. He you had just didn't want the him. ball near him. Which is not ideal for a goalkeeper, no, really. No. If there's one thing on the CV that you want to put... <laughs> okay with the ball. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Calamity James scoops up the ball. It's a really team shot, but both of them comment like, oh, okay, it's good for him to get handled on the ball early. Hopefully we'll see, you know, the best of him. So it's interesting that Calamity James yeah. was still very much a, a thing of the conversation. But that is it for the first half. There is nothing else that happens. It's dreadful. Um, but apparently at halftime, John Gregory uh, asked the Villa team to stand up and... Uh, I don't know if this Did is true. Did you get his guitar right? <laughs> that would have been incredible, wouldn't it? That would have been, yeah. Uh, but he basically lined them up military style, apparently, and walked backwards and forwards across them, screaming in their faces. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I read it on two separate... Um, I mean, it sounds true, doesn't it? Exactly. So, John, if you're listening and it's incorrect, <laughs> please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Finalcountdownpod at gmail.com. But... <laughs> Yeah, it it basically sounds like he was about an inch away from battering his own players. But it does seem to work. So at the start of the second half, both teams come out with um, actually seemingly like they've realised they're in a cup final now, that this isn't a friendly or an exhibition. Most of the first half was played quite timidly. Um, with the exception of, uh, I should have mentioned it, with the exception of George Boateng, who absolutely annihilates Dennis the Menace in the middle of the pitch about two minutes in. Um, but Graham Paul, the referee, just decides to give him a warning, doesn't even show a card. Yeah. Um, but the second half starts with a bang when George Weir um, skims the post early on. Uh, a th- great through ball from Zola. Uh, George Weir is just outside the area on the right and he uh, shoots a drive across goal that skims the outside of the post and goes wide. But... Ju- uh, David James is completely beaten by it. And so it starts to liven everyone up. So after that happens, uh, we start to see Egg and Southgate 
a lot more under pressure. Uh, and even Gareth Barry obviously having to do his defensive doggies as well. Um, but it was Dennis Wise who would go on to be man of the match in this really? final. Uh, who's playing the very role. small <laughs> I resisted till then, but you mentioned I, him like four times now. Well done, I admire your restraint. <laughs> He's a very small man. Uh, so Dennis Wise was playing the role of the destroyer and, and really was dropping very, very deep, almost like a third centre-back, in order to stop Benito Carbone from getting any kind of creativity, yeah. getting any kind of rhythm. Uh, Dennis Wise kind of spoiled the game, but it was exactly what Chelsea needed. Weyer then went on to miss a couple more good chances. It was not Come a on, great George. final yeah, for... The Liberian superstar. Um, so, yeah, like I said, he was World Player of the Year or Ballon d'Or winner in 1995, but this is five years later and yeah. he's not, not the same player. Um, and even at the end of the season, Chelsea have the option to sign him and they decide not to, which kind of tells you yeah. that he was waning. Uh, but yeah, George Ware misses a couple of really good chances. There's one across comes from out wide on the right, and he's about four yards from goal. All he needs to do is tap it in. He hits it wide of the post. Um, but Chelsea would eventually get a goal disallowed uh, for a very small man, Dennis Wise. <laughs> um, and this is really where it starts to What unravel. did he do? Who did he punch? No, so it's not Dennis Wise that makes any kind oh, okay. of um, mistake. It's a mixture of George Ware for Chelsea and David James for Aston Villa. This starts to unravel for David James now. So... Um, the ball gets crossed in, I think, by Frank LaBeouf. Um, and as the ball yeah, sails in, somebody takes a shot and James doesn't uh, hold on to it, basically. It's, it's a bit of a tricky shot to hold on to, but nevertheless, he kind of spills it out in front of him. Dennis Wise is there, who just lashes it into the net. They, he runs off celebrating, and it takes probably about 15, 20 seconds before they realise that it's been ruled out. And on the replay, it's because George Weyer is stood offside um, by about a metre. So is he interfering? That well, that was brought in. Right, remember, okay, this is the classic saying. offside rule, which was if anybody's anybody, offside, yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. was you know black and white back in the good old days, all that yeah, kind of. That's uh, it. But um, yeah, so even though George Weyer is about four meters behind Dennis Wise because he's still offside, it's offside. No way. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, again, Clive Tilsley says the the goal that this cup final most desperately needed is put in by Dennis Wise, and then unfortunately, it's, it's ruled out. It's ruled out. Um, <laughs> but Chelsea and Villa both up the tempo, and we start to see a lot more. And when you see the highlights actually it's definitely much more of an entertaining game both teams are really going for it but it's a strange breakthrough in the end as uh, Chelsea fullback Mario Melchiot um, wow. runs down the left-hand side, plays a one-two, I think, with Zola, um, and then does a, a really good Cruyff turn, which you wouldn't have expected from Mario Melchiot, but he does a really good Cruyff turn. And as he starts to run in towards the uh, the Villa penalty area, he's fouled just outside the box, um, and it's Gianfranco Zola who steps up. Um, it's kind of in between the outside of the area and the corner flag. Gianfranco Zola. Whips in a good cross, but it's not too dangerous. James, like a hero, runs forward and claims the ball and drops the ball and hits Southgate in the chest and it bounces and your friend DiMatteo is there ready to lash home. It's the first time you've mentioned him. So from what I can see, he wasn't that influential in the game other than being in the right place at the right Right time. time, Gianfranco Zola. James lost it and it's in. No. Or is it? It has been given. And Chelsea have gone in front. Yes, James coming in amongst bodies there. Dropped it again, unfortunately. And there was uh, Di Matteo. No chance for James this. I think he sort of got in between whether he was going to catch it or whether he was going to punch it. Didn't do either, and when it dropped down, he wasn't lucky this time. It dropped straight down to Di Matteo, and he just smashed it. 
yeah, David James has an absolute mare. He fumbles the ball. It's, when you see the slow motion replay when it's zoomed in, even his hands, like you can't tell if he's meaning to punch or if he's meaning to catch. I genuinely think he, he hasn't made up. Yeah, mid-flight. It's, it's very, very peculiar. And he fumbles the ball. It hits Southgate in the chest, who can do absolutely nothing about it. And as the ball falls at, on the ground, uh, Di Matteo's there, who just lashes in kind of a half toe poke, half volley um, into the roof of the net. And that is the goal that will decide this final. So Di Matteo runs off. Just Chelsea, one goal, is it? Just the one goal, 70-odd oh, minutes in. And you can tell that uh, a lot of the commentary team were not looking forward to the idea of penalties because even though the game... <laughs> we just get this game done, please? Exactly. Yeah. So even though the game had gotten much better in the second half, um, there had still been very few kind of clear-cut chances other than the couple that had fallen to George Weah. So I think people were like, we just need to see a winner. Uh, but <laughs> Di Matteo obliged. Um, and the only Villa chance um, would come after that when uh, there was a fallen rebound in the area for that man, Benito Carbone, who manages to lash a shot past Ed De Hoy, who's in goal for Chelsea. Um, it's going goalwards, but Frank LeBuff is there to clear it off the line. Um, but that is the only chance, really, that Villa have clear-cut in that second half. Right. Um, and then just as a, a, a little, um, I don't know, just a little bit of spice to this cup final. Right at the end, uh, we have David James heroically with the final corner of the game, legging it up the pitch oh, to try and go. be the hero. Uh, he gets in the penalty area. Ball goes nowhere near him. It's cleared. And then there's this terrifying moment when Chelsea get the ball uh, in their own half and start sprinting towards the Villa goal where David James is nowhere to be seen. Uh, but Villa do eventually put a stop to it and save uh, even oh, more right. embarrassment right. for David James. Uh, lucky for him. Um, but the final whistle went and Chelsea would win their second cup final in recent memory and uh, would go on to lift the trophy. Well, you have just witnessed... 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. So into the extra time round, there's not a load um, of stories around this. Uh, but interestingly, after what we were talking about with the uh, cup final, seemingly you know, the headline that we teased uh, last podcast about the death of the FA Cup final. Mm. Uh, that may have been true in terms of football, but in terms of audience, this final was watched by 500 million viewers worldwide. Wow. 165 countries it was broadcast in. When you think about those numbers, that even in, by today's standards, that is an incredible pool. So yeah. half a billion people watching the FA Cup final and maybe the death of the FA Cup final probably came from games like this. Where people around the world woke up at, you know, 4 a.m in the morning oh, to watch man. Chelsea v Villa and were subjected to that. Um, so, But I found that was interesting. 500 million yeah, years, true, 165 yeah. countries. Um, but the next season would start brightly. Chelsea would uh, beat Man United to win the Charity Shield at uh, the start of the season. But uh, Viali's fifth, fifth official trophy with the club in less than three years made him the club's most successful manager. Right. But he was sacked five games into the season after uh, with an indifferent st start and having fallen out with several players including Gianfranco Zola, Didier Deschamps and Dan Petrescu. Wow. Now, if you fall out with Gianfranco Zola, what's wrong with you? Yeah. He seems to be the nicest bloke does, in the world. Yeah, yeah. He's the most inoffensive fella. How can you ever fall out with him? But nonetheless, Viali found, found a way. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, as much as it pains me to talk about, obviously Gian uh, Luca Viali had uh, a wonderful moment where he's been he has been diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer twice in the last uh, I think four years. Um, but there was that lovely moment where, well, lovely if you're an Italian, uh, where Gianfranco. Uh, sorry, Gianluca Viali, um, when Italy won the Euros because uh, he had yeah. chosen to leave treatment in order to be with the Italy squad for the Euros. Yeah. And obviously when they win against England, you see him run onto the pitch and start crying. And there yeah. was a lovely moment where it's like, okay, 
he's had this great moment. Um, and I think he's in recovery now, which is great. Um, but it was a, a nice story to see Gianluca Vialli kind of battle through that and have for him at least. Um, yeah, I'd stop uh, watching by that point. Yeah, but yeah, that's lovely but there, yeah, there is a nice thing for him. But uh, that is all that we've got for the 2000, uh, 2000 sorry, Cup final. Ad, give us a little teaser about next year. A little teaser about the following year. Well, after all of these duds, we have an absolute classic in 2001.